0: When I sat down, I was sitting here, I was looking, and the pulpit, which is normally here, is not here anymore. It's over there, instead of right here. And so I had this moment of trying to figure out what I was going to do, because I'm used to going right from here to here, and setting this piece of paper on this pulpit. Then I walk around a little bit, and if I need to, I can come back to it. But it wasn't going to be here this morning, it was going to be over there. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And then I thought, does God want me to live with this anxiety this morning? You know, maybe I'm on the threshold of something new. And so what I decided, though, was God didn't want me to live with that anxiety this morning. So I just came right over here and I set it down right here. (laughs) Just in case. Just in case. Sometimes life is like that. Things get moved around and you're not ready for them to move around. But you you have to be ready. To still get up out of bed in the morning, like the song said, still get up out of bed in the morning. There's another verse in that song too. It says, "In the at my midnight hour, when my body's racked in pain, I'm gonna turn to you, Jesus, in my midnight hour." Oh goodness. So in the morning, when you don't feel like getting up, to get out of bed, and you kind of test and see if the floor is cold or not, you know, in midnight. When things are hurting, and you're not quite so sure you can move at all, we reach out to God in those places and those times. And that's what this season of Advent is about, most assuredly, is about the moments and times when we're, we're asked to approach that threshold that feels different to us, and we're asked to test the water on the other side, to just dip our toe in on the other side, to start take a step, move into where God's calling us to be. In this Advent time where we talk about it being so, so far away in darkness that there is just a little light, and God asks us to reach out for that light, even though it doesn't seem possible, even at night when our body's racked in pain. Once upon a time, I was up at night, have you ever been up at night feeling sick? I was up at night feeling so sick, it hurt, and I was just thinking I was being a wimp, you know, because I was working with people, HIV and AIDS, and those folks, I said, they do this every day. I got one night, I can live through this, one night, Your body racked in pain, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what is God teaching me in all this? You know, maybe it's so that I can have some more compassion for the folks who are doing this every day, and maybe it was so, but I wasn't paying any attention, because what God was really saying was, get up and go to the hospital, you know? Your appendix is about to burst. (laughs) Sometimes we're in pain or we're hurting and we don't know exactly what the voice is saying to us. And we have to pay attention to what's happening, to what the voice is saying to us. And this morning we lit the pink candle, which stands for joy. We did hope, we did peace, and now we're doing joy as we're approaching Christmas. And so this Sunday, the theme of joy is supposed to be woven into our message today, and it's really fascinating that that's the message, and then you read about John in prison. So they say, talk about joy and talk about John in prison. Okay. I think I'll have a hard time getting out of bed this morning. <laughs> Step over a little bit. When we think about joy, usually it's not about being in prison, is it? When we think about joy, we think about jumping up in the air, being excited, being excited, You know, yay! Have you ever seen Snoopy dance on Charlie Brown? That's what we think about joy. We had some people in the office between service doing the Snoopy dance. You know, happiness, joy. But our story is talking about something much more deep than that. It's not necessarily about being happy. It even asks us, if possible, to try and disconnect true, deep joy from feeling happy. That there's more to it than happiness but you know that snoopy dance feels really good if you can do it if you're young enough you know i do it with my feet still on the ground it can feel good but we're asked to think deeper than that to go a little bit further i know you know there's been times in your life when things weren't going great and you found joy somehow right there in the midst of whatever prison that was for you somehow god was with you in that place surrounding you you knew love you knew hope you knew healing even though you weren't healed yet and that's the kind of joy they're inviting us into this advent season that's the kind of joy that not necessarily happiness but feeds your soul joy doesn't mean absence of hard times It means knowing God right in the midst of those hard times. That's what joy means. A friend of mine in high school, we went to two different summer camps. They were both up around Palestine, Texas. Thank you. (laughs) Palestine, Texas. Palestine, Texas. I went up there every summer, I still don't know how to say it. And so he would go to one Bible camp up, the, up on the other side of the lake, and I would go to the Methodist camp on my side. We didn't do as much Bible as they did over there. We called ours youth camp, you know, sounded a little, got a little few more kids there than you did to Bible camp, at least for us. Well, we were talking one time, and uh, he was talking about what joy meant for them in their Bible camp. Because they had it written on the post when you drove into camp. And it was big letters, joy, as you walked in. And they were on top of each other. There was a J, on top of an O, on top of a Y. Like that, joy. And I said, well, that's cool. And he said, oh, not so cool. I said, well, why? Why isn't that so cool? And he said, well, you know, because the way they teach it to it is it means that Jesus has all your time. And then whatever time Jesus doesn't have everybody else has of your time others and then that you're never supposed to get to yourself is what was being taught to him as joy and and i said oh we teach about the snoopy dance (laughs) you know but sometimes in life sometimes we've been taught we've been taught that we can't claim that deep joy for ourselves and we need to let go of those teachings if we're able to to release them Release them back into God and let ourselves know that God sometimes is telling you, get up and go to the hospital. Take care of yourself. And I will be with you in the midst of hard times, in the midst of good times, and help you find that deeper, deeper sense of joy. Step into it. Even at midnight, when your body's in pain. Well, we got a story today about Mary, mother of Jesus. Midnight for her. She's got a choice to make what's her answer gonna be can she say no I believe she can did she say no she said yes I was talking about the story this week with some other pastors and I was appalled just they kept talking about the story and I thought I, it was my first time with this group so I didn't want to be too rude right up front <laughs> I say rude but it really would just been clear you know they, they were talking, and it was just really sexist, some of the things they were saying about Mary and about uh, being the mother of Jesus. And so I kept listening to this, and I said, I can't believe this. You know? And not only was it sexist, it turned out that there you were know, moments of it to me that were heterosexist, too, as they were talking about Mary. And whether or not she had any agency, whether she had a choice, whether she could say yes to God in this way. And so at the end, whenever I'm in a situation like that, at the end of the class, I wait till the end, you know, I just have to do something to balance things out, so I had to be a little bit gay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say hallelujah? <laughs> That's why I said hallelujah up there, you know? Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. So it was in this sexist, heterosexist environment, I decided to say, and they knew who I was, uh, and, and I had to say, okay, well, there is this lesbian comic. It's a good start, right? <laughs> There's this lesbian comic, and she also happens to be Jewish. Lesbian Jewish comic, so she has a real interesting perspective on the world, right? And so this lesbian comic is telling the story, this story that we're talking about today. And she says, I've been hearing these tales from my Christian friends. And and she said, I've been trying to make sense of them, and they've been talking about this Holy Spirit, and I told them, oh, yeah we know about the Holy Spirit you know and she started talking about wisdom and about Sophia and about the feminine of the Holy Spirit and how Sophia imparted all things to God's people so Sophia the feminine the Holy Spirit and she said she said yeah we know I know Sophia she's she's my main girl you know and so but y'all are telling me this story about Sophia hooking up with Mary you hear that (laughs) y'all are telling me this story about Sophia hooking up with Mary You know, and um, y'all got me thinking. I might be able to convert for something like that. (laughs) Jewish, lesbian, Christian, bringing back into our story some of the balance of what does it mean for Mary to say yes to the spirit of God. And in our own story, how that is the divine feminine. Well, I laughed and I made fun, but I just thought those patriarchal sexist people needed to hear from a Jewish lesbian comic. You know, I don't know that they were all that appreciative, but I needed to say it. You know, just needed to say it. Be a little gay. I was watching Glee this last week, too. Do you all know Glee? It's this silly little sitcom about high schoolers that love to sing, which means I watch it every week. They did their Christmas time episode this last week, and in their Christmas time episode, they were going to do a live manger scene. And the, there was all this hubbub about who was going to play Mary. In the, in the live manger scene. And so there's this one character. Uh, she's the bad girl, supposedly. Her name is Kitty Wild. And she lives up to her name, Kitty Wild. And so one thing Kitty knows about herself is that Kitty is not good enough. She's not worth enough to be married. And so the story includes this sense of Kitty's unworthiness. And so they're ready for her to be married, but she's not able to say she's worthy to be herself. So they concoct a plan. And I've been watching the results of this plan on Facebook this week as people are talking about how disrespectful the show was about our faith. And you know how people do that? Usually when they do that, they miss the point. They just miss the point. So they're arguing on Facebook because the way they try to get Kitty to say yes is they make her appalled. They put together a Supremes number, You know, the three contestants for Mary are wearing sequined purple gowns. And they're getting up there, and they're singing Love Child. (laughs) And Kitty Wilde says, oh, well, maybe I am worth it. (laughs) She hears a different word, and she's able to be Mary in that show. She's able to tiptoe into something new for herself. To actually take a new step Into something, some place where she hasn't been before And see her in a new way And her friends had conspired to make it so apparent That she was worth it to do so I don't know about where you are in your life But somewhere there's probably some threshold You need to cross There's some place that you might have been testing the water And God's inviting you to go ahead and walk right on in Mary was at that place in her life Right at midnight, something's going to happen. Their life's never going to be the same again. Never going to be the same again. And I want you to listen to this poem by a friend of mine, Jan Richardson, who talks about it from the perspective of the angel who's bringing that news.
1: For a moment I hesitated on the threshold. For the space of breath I paused unwilling to disturb her last ordinary moment. Knowing that the next step would cleave her life, that this day would slice her story in two, dividing all the days before from all the ones to come. The artist would later depict the scene. Mary dazzled by the archangel, her head bowed in humble assent, awed by the messenger who condescended to leave paradise to bestow such an honor upon a woman and mortal. Yet I tell you, it was I who dazzled, I who found myself agape when I came upon her reading at the loom in the kitchen. I cannot recall only that the woman before me, blessed and full of grace, long before I called her so, shimmered with how completely she inhabited herself, inhabited the space around her, inhabited the moment that hung between us. I wanted to save her from what I had been sent to say. Yet when the time came, When I had stammered the invitation, history would not record the sweat on my brow, the pounding of my heart would not note that I said, do not be afraid. To myself as much as to her. It was she who saved me, her first deliverance, her let it be. Not just declaration to the divine, but a word of solace, of soothing of benediction for the angel in the doorway who would hesitate one last time just for the space of a breath torn from his chest before wrenching himself away from her radiant consent her beautiful and awful yes thank you
0: her beautiful and awful yes the angel pausing on the threshold like we pause before sharing, receiving, encountering God in some new space or way in our life and we all have agency to say yes to say no whatever that step in as the angel looks upon her and hesitates because he knows life is never going to be the same again life will change in that moment what was before and what comes after do you say yes in that place and time the scripture we have today john the baptist had said yes he had met jesus in the water and in the water he'd even heard the voice that jesus heard this is my beloved my own my child in whom i am well pleased John heard those words. John was there with Jesus right there in the water. And in the text today, though, it feels like John had tiptoed into that water with Jesus. He'd stepped over the threshold. And now he doesn't know whether he's supposed to take it back or not. Yeah? Thinking about it. Have you ever gotten so far in your faith or someplace? And then you think, oh, no, that was a little bit too far. I don't know if I can trust that much. This isn't looking quite the way I'd planned for it to look maybe I need to rethink it so where is John he's in prison and prison is one of those places where you wonder what's going on why why am I here God what is happening to me I said yes so he sends words with his disciple to ask Jesus are you the one or am I supposed to look for another have you ever gone church shopping (laughs) you don't look like the Jesus I want let me go to the next one You don't look like the Jesus I want either. Let me go to the next one. So here's John wondering if he needs to go church shopping. Are you the one or is there to be another? Because John's message was a message of repentance. Come, turn around, turn towards God. And his was a message of judgment for people, but also that forgiveness of repentance. And so what he's hearing about Jesus doesn't match his message of judgment. Does it match what he expected? Isn't who he thought Jesus was going to be? So he's asking, are you the one? Jesus tells the messengers, just go back and tell him what you've seen. Go back and tell him what you've seen. He doesn't say, I'm the one. Did you notice? Because you know who needs to say Jesus is the one? John does. You know, he doesn't say, I am the one. He says, go back and tell him. What you've seen. So they go back and they tell John, I've seen the lame walk, I've seen the blind see, I've seen lepers cleansed. This healing Messiah wasn't who John expected. This bringing people out from the margins back in wasn't quite what John expected. He kind of wanted Jesus to have already judged everyone by now and put everything right. So he wonders if he needs to go church shopping he got to the threshold he stepped over the threshold a little bit he wonders if he needs to go back the other direction when in that midnight cell he needs to take another step deeper into god's love for him and see what christ is doing to the world at the end of that little passage the message that jesus gives to him it says and let anyone be blessed who takes no offense healing the lepers is offensive Giving sight to the blind is offensive. You know, who would be offended at such good work? Perhaps, perhaps those who had a stake in judgment. (laughs) Perhaps those who had a stake in knowing who was in and out. Perhaps those who knew who needed to be kept out had a stake in keeping things as they were, might be offended That Jesus didn't just set things right the way they knew it was supposed to be, but Jesus went about healing and said, you choose. You need to say it, John. Who am I to you? Will you take another step deeper into your understanding of who I am? And there will you find joy. I want to read a quote to you from one of my favorite preachers, Barbara Brown Taylor, talking about this. She says, It is there, in that wilderness, in that empty-handed, I give it up surrender, that joy is most likely to occur. Don't ask me why, it just does. And that is how you know God is present, Because no one else knows how to make life out of death. No one else knows how to come into a dark room and turn on all the lights. Surprising everyone inside with the last thing any of them ever expected. Unkillable joy. This is the joy that God has for us in Jesus. It doesn't depend on happiness. It doesn't depend on whether we're in pain or not in the middle of the night or if it's hard to get up in the morning. It doesn't depend on those things. It is pure, unkillable joy knowing that God loves us so deeply and invites us, just like Mary was invited, to be co-creators. Co-creators of this new thing in the world where we know there's no separation. There never has been between God's love and us. Thanks be to God. Amen.